We have an anchor that keeps the soul steadfast. The Anchor of the Soul with Mike Hickson, preacher for the Olive Branch Church of Christ in Olive Branch, Mississippi. Grounded firm and deep in the Savior's love. And now, Mike Hickson. I would imagine that there are a number of us here today that prior to January 1, we made some very specific New Year's resolutions. It's not uncommon for many people to make a list of things that they want to achieve in the new year. Sometimes individuals will talk about how they want to become more faithful to the Lord, and that's their intent. Some will say they want to become a better employee, a better employer. Others have the goal of losing weight, exercising more. There are a lot of different resolutions that we can make in life. Obviously, the most important is to live for God. And so as we come to the close, nearly come to the close of the month of January, I think about how many times we start strong with our resolutions. And then for whatever reason, we begin to wane, don't we? We start strong and then we begin to falter. And so with that in mind, I want you to look with me at Hebrews chapter 10 and note verses 35 through 39 and listen, if you will, to the plea to the first century saints. The plea is, don't give up on your resolution to live for Christ. First of all, there is a challenging reminder. Look at verse 35. The writer said, Therefore do not cast away your confidence, which has great reward. Did you know that because we're human, and in light of the fact that the devil is always on the prowl and doing whatever he can to circumvent our belief and trust in God, there are a number of distractions that we face. Those distractions can ultimately destroy our faith. I think about individuals that have made the resolution to live for God, to be strong, to be faithful, day in and day out. And yet, I know that there are distractions. There are lots of things that can come between us and our relationship to God. The first, of course, is complacency. Back in chapter 6, look at chapter 6 for a moment. Listen, if you would, to what the writer says in the long ago. In verse 12, he said that you do not become sluggish or lazy, but imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. There's a tendency on the part of some to become lazy or sluggish in their faith, just as was characteristic of those in the first century. Now we talk about complacency and how that can affect a number of things. It might be that one of your resolutions for the new year was that you were going to, to diet, lose weight, to make sure that you eat healthy on a regular basis. 
And then over time, what happens? You become complacent, don't you? As we would say, you begin to cheat. Initially, no sweets, no carbohydrates, nothing that would impede you in losing weight. And before you know it, right back to where you began. Sometimes we become complacent in our relationship to God. We begin the new year saying we're going to read and study God's Word. We're going to pray on a regular basis. We're going to be in worship. And then over time, we begin to falter. I appreciate so much those of you that have made the resolution to be here every Sunday. And I commend you for that. But don't falter. Keep the faith. And then there is the danger of carelessness. That can become a tremendous distraction. I think about the words of the writer back in chapter 2. When he asked the question, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? Sometimes we neglect those things that are most important. How often are you reading the Bible? Are you like the psalmist of old who meditated on the law of Jehovah day and night? Are you spending time with God in His Word when you get up in the morning, maybe when you go to bed at night? Do you begin each day with prayer to God? Do you think about the words of Paul in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 when he said pray without ceasing is your life characteristic of prayer to God? Sometimes we need to be reminded that we've made some resolutions to God that we're going to be everything we can be in His kingdom. And yet carelessness can creep in. There's a third thing that can sometimes serve as a distraction, a distraction to our faith. It has to do with the cares of the world. Jesus talked about it in Matthew chapter 13, verse 22, how the deceitfulness of riches and the cares of the world can choke out the word. And he said, it becomes unfruitful. And so, to simply be reminded, think about, number one, who you are. If you've obeyed the gospel, you are a child of God. You belong to the Lord. You are a part of the kingdom of God. You're a part of His family. In 1 John chapter 3, John said, Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us, that we should be called the sons of God, the children of God. That's who you are. So remember, remember who you are. And then secondly, remember whose you are. Remember you belong to God. And God wants the absolute very best for you in life. God's desire is that you would be happy, content, successful in this life. Physically and materially, obviously God wants the best for us, but more importantly, He wants us to thrive spiritually, doesn't He? Sometimes maybe our health is not what we would like. It might be the case that materially and financially we're not where we would like to be in life. But if our soul is thriving, if our relationship to God is what it ought to be, then to me, that is a great success. You remember in 3 John, John wrote to a man by the name of Gaius. And he said, Beloved, I wish, pray above all things, that you would prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospers. Here was a guy that financially and physically may not have been in good standing. Spiritually speaking, he was exactly what he ought to be in the eyes of God. So first, there's the challenge. there is a challenging reminder. Secondly, 
There is the call to be resolved. Listen again, if you, if you will, to what the writer said beginning in verse 35. Therefore, do not cast away your confidence, which has great reward. And then listen to verse 36. He said, for you have need of endurance, so that after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise. There has to be this sense of constancy, a steady resolve to be what we ought to be in the kingdom of God. You ever thought about all of the obstacles that we face in life? We mentioned some of the distractions that we face. There are a lot of hurdles that we face in this life. Those hurdles or those obstacles can break our resolve. There are times when we make resolutions and we say, you know what, this is what I'm going to do. And we are fully intent on fulfilling those resolutions. But then we hit an obstacle here. We face a hurdle here. And before you know it, what happens? We lose our way. And that resolution that at one time had been so important, that had been at the forefront of our mind, it begins to wane. Before you know it, we're back to our old ways. So, let me just... Talk about some of the obstacles that we face very quickly. I think about difficulties. Somebody has said, at best, life is difficult. Now, if you want an inspired commentary on that thought, look to to the book of Job, chapter 14, verse 1. Job said, man born of woman is a few days and full of trouble. If you live long enough here on planet Earth, you're going to face some troubles and trials and difficulties in life. Those trials and tribulations can do one of two things. They can break your faith or they can can aid in building your faith. The choice is yours. Sometimes the difficulties of life exploit our faith and undermine our resolution to live for God. Some of you may have made the resolution to be in the gym every day beginning January 1. If you made that resolution, let me ask this question. You've been true to it? You've been in the gym every day? It's amazing to me where I go work out every week, amazing the number of people that will flood into the gym January 1. You would be surprised how many people sign up to become new members. A fellow told me in the span of just a very short time, five different people signed up. But here's the problem. Lots of folks want to sign up and be members of the gym and work out and be in great shape. They want to look like Superman. The problem is it's not easy, is it? Sounds good. We want to look good, but you've got to pay the price, don't you? If you're going to stay true to that resolution, you've got to be in the gym every day. No exceptions. But sometimes what happens is we let things crowd out our intentions can't do that you got to say this is where I'm going to be by the same token we talk about our spiritual relationship to God sometimes difficulties and hardships can deter us for example in Hebrews chapter 11 we read about those great men and women of faith in verses 32 and following the writer chronicles some of the difficulties that they faced listen to what he says what more shall I say for the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and Barak, and Samson, and Jephthah, also of David, and Samuel, and the prophets, who through faith 
subdued kingdoms, worked righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, became valiant in battle, turned to flight the armies of aliens. Women received their dead, raised again. Others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. Let me just pause there. What was it that kept them going? Number one, their faith in God. And number two, they had before them that great reward that the writer talks about back in chapter 10, verse 35. So difficulties can pose a problem. That's why there is this call to be resolved. Listen again to what the writer said back in chapter 10, verse 36. He said, you have need of endurance, that is perseverance. Sometimes we allow the encumbrances of life to weigh us down. Now, there's another thing that will sometimes distract us and pose problems. Another obstacle that we face is called discouragement. You ever get discouraged in life? Think about the resolutions you made. Let's just say you made five resolutions to begin the new year. And now, January 17, you're only hitting two of those five resolutions. What happens? You get discouraged, don't you? You had said, this is what I'm going to do, this is what I'm going to be, this is where I'm going to be. You had written in concrete these things that you were going to achieve, and now you're only hitting two out of five. What happens? You get discouraged, don't you? Can we become discouraged in our resolve to live for God? Yes, we can. Listen, if you would, to what the writer says over in chapter 12. Look at chapter 12. In verse 1, he said, Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded... By so great a cloud of witnesses, he's talking about those men and women that are listed in chapter 11. Those people that walk by faith, live by faith. He said, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. Now listen to what he says. And let us run with endurance or patience the race that's set before us. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of God. For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself. Now I want you to listen to what he says here. Lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. He's writing to people in the first century that had made the resolution, they had made the resolve, they're going to live for God. They're coming out of Judaism. They're going, to be, they're, they're going to be New Testament Christians. They're going to walk by faith. They're going to live for God. They're going to bring honor and glory to His name. And what happened? Some had become weary and discouraged. Let me tell you what. If the devil can discourage you long enough, he'll get you. Discouragement is a tremendous tool. And the devil uses it on so many folks. Sometimes there are elders that have served in that capacity for years, but over time, they become discouraged. They get weary of the criticism and the complaints and the problems, and they just give up. Sometimes there are preachers that because of criticism and because of adverse conditions and circumstances, you know what happens? They quit. They give up. They go back to secular work. It happens. So what the writer is saying to us is, look, 
Don't let difficulties be an obstacle to destroy your relationship to God. Don't let discouragement bring you down because it can, it will. There's a third thing I want you to see in our study very quickly. And that is there is a certain reward. Now listen again to what the writer says back in chapter 10 verse 35. Therefore do not cast away your confidence which has great reward. That is your trust in God. Don't throw that to the curb. Don't give up. We talk about having confidence in God, trust in God, living for God. You remember Solomon said, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not under your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge Him. He'll direct your paths. We've got to maintain that trust. We've got to maintain a sense of balance in life. So, what about this exhortation? The writer said, don't cast away your confidence which has great reward. If we're going to obtain this great reward that the writer talks about, there are two things we have to have. Number one, we'll never get this great reward without focus in life. You've got to be focused. Now you think about some of the resolutions you made. You want to lose weight? You better be focused. You want to get in shape? You better be focused. You want to be a better student? You better maintain your focus. You want to be a better employee? You better maintain your focus. You want to live for God? You want to be all that you can be in the kingdom of God? You want to be a servant that brings honor and glory to His name? You better be focused. Here's what Jesus said, but seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. That means before anything else. It means you put God first in your life. That's absolute focus. Paul said in Colossians chapter 3, verse 2, Set your mind, set your affection on things above, not on things which are upon this earth. Paul knew that there were things in life that could encroach upon the spiritual lives of people. So he said, here's what you need to do. You need to think about things which are above and not about things on the earth. Many times we're thinking about things on earth and not on things which are in heaven. Jesus said, lay not up for yourselves treasures on earth. Why? Because they rust out, they wear out. Thieves break through and steal. But he said, lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust corrupt, nor thieves break through and steal. So, number one, we've got to be focused. And number two, we've got to be faithful. What's faithful mean to you? When we talk about being faithful to God, what does faithful mean? Faithful means that I love God with all of my heart, soul, and mind, as Jesus talked about in Matthew chapter 22. Faithful means that I'm seeking first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. Faithful means that I'm striving to read and study the Bible every day. Faithful means that I'm bowing in prayer to God on a regular basis. Faithful means that I'm coming to Bible study on a regular basis. Faithful means that I'm coming to worship on a regular basis. Why? Because I'm trying to live for God. I've made this resolution. When you became a Christian, the Bible says you became married to Christ. Romans chapter 7 verse 4. And so if you want to maintain that relationship with God, you've got to work on it. You've got, you've got to work to build that relationship. Think about what Peter said, grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. How are you going to grow in that relationship if you don't expend some effort? So you've got to be faithful. So first there is this exhortation, and then drop down and look at verse 39. In verse 39, note if you would, 
Well, back up and look at verse 35. Let's talk about the evaluation very quickly. Therefore, do not cast away your confidence, which has great reward. Verse 39, we are not of those who draw back to perdition, that is to destruction, but of those who believe to the saving of the soul. What stands out to me in that verse, or in these verses, is this. I'm a child of God. I can't afford to go back to a life that is a dead-end street. I can't afford to go back to a life of destruction, a life that ends up in destruction, separation from Almighty God. What I have to understand is there is a great reward. Listen again to what he said. He didn't just call it a reward. Therefore, do not cast away your confidence, which has great reward. Now you think about how he qualified that reward. He said it is a great reward. Why is it great? Ever thought about why? Why is, why is heaven so special? What's so great about heaven? Many of us, we have heaven here on earth. But the Bible says that heaven is a great place, isn't it? Let me tell you why it's great. Let me tell you why this reward spoken of by the Hebrew writer is great. It's great, number one, because of the one who is preparing it. That's Jesus. You ever known Jesus to do anything second class? Think about Jesus. The Bible says that Jesus was the agent by which the world was made. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him. Look around at the world in which we live. Let me tell you what. It is absolutely first class in every way, isn't it? We talk about planet Earth. Is there any other planet that you know of, that we know about, that's better than planet Earth? Not at all. So in light of that, what about heaven? Can you begin to wrap your mind around the beauty of heaven? Jesus said, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. He said, if it were not so, I would have told you. But he said, I go to prepare a place for you. I've seen some beautiful places in this world. I've seen some beautiful homes in this world, and I know you have as well. I mean, you talk about a lawn that's manicured, a home that is just built to perfection. And then you walk into the interior of that home and you see how the decor is so beautiful and everything just fits and matches and everything just stands out. It's such a beautiful place. We like to live in places like that. But let me tell you what, there's not a home on earth that can compare to that home that Jesus is preparing for us. You need to understand that. You may think that there are some places that are beautiful in this world, and they are. But all of them will pale in comparison to heaven. There's a second reason why I believe this reward is great. Not only because of the one who is preparing it, but because of the population in it. You ever thought about who's going to be in heaven? Let me tell you who's not going to be in heaven. The wicked, the ungodly. Let me be more specific. You read about murderers. Our city is full of people that have no value when it comes to the sanctity of human life. Let me tell you what. Those who murder, unless they repent and obey the God, they will not be in heaven. Thieves, don't you hate people that will take your property? 
take something that's not yours? Don't you just hate that kind of mentality? We don't hate the sinner, but we hate the sin. Let me tell you what, there's not going to be a thief in heaven. There are not going to be drunkards in heaven. Won't be drug addicts in heaven. There won't be liars in heaven. Folks that you can't trust, you don't want to live around, you wouldn't build beside, they're not going to be there. Only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life, according to Revelation chapter 21, verse 27. In Revelation chapter 22, verse 3, John said that in that heavenly city, there will be the throne of God and the Lamb, and those who are servants that will serve Him. Who's going to be in heaven? God, Christ, the Holy Spirit, and every person who has walked by faith and lived a life of faith and been faithful to God. You can go back and read of some of the great servants of Almighty God in the Scriptures. They'll be there. Here's the question, though. Will you be there? Will I be there? We can all be there if we make sure this great reward means the most to us. And then finally, I believe it's a great reward because of the promises, the promises of it. I mentioned just a moment ago the beauty of heaven. I can't, ima- I can't even begin to wrap my mind around the beauty of heaven, but I know this. There are some promises that are made about heaven that have not been made about the world in which we live. Peter said that those of us who belong to the family of God, we have an inheritance. And he said that inheritance is incorruptible. He said it's undefiled and it fades not away. It's reserved in heaven for you. The world in which we live, the things last forever? No, they don't. Buy a new automobile, what do you see in 10 years? Not what it once was. Buy a new home, same thing. Heaven is a place that is incorruptible, it's undefiled, and it's never going to fade away. And then the words of John in Revelation chapter 21, verse 4. The Bible says that God shall wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying, nor pain. For these former things have passed away. Who in his or her right mind would not want to go to heaven? You see why it's a great reward? Let me just close by sharing with you a statement made about Moses. In Hebrews chapter 11, beginning in verse 24, listen to what is said about Moses. By faith Moses, when he became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt. Now, you think about everything that he had at his fingertips. What was it that motivated him to make the wise, the right decisions in life? Listen to what he says, verse 26. For he looked to the reward. That's it. You've got to keep before you that great reward. So I close by saying many of us have probably made some resolutions. I don't know where you are in your resolutions. I don't know if you're living up to them or if you've already faltered. But I do know this. Spiritually speaking, if you haven't fulfilled those resolutions and if you've already faltered, the beauty is you can get back on track right now. 
What I want to do is to encourage us. I said a moment ago, we started strong this year. We want to not just start strong, we want to finish strong. Keep our eyes on that reward. Now, if you're here today and you've never obeyed the gospel, let me tell you what, there's not a better time than now. Everything is ready. If you want to obey the gospel, the Bible tells us, if you believe Jesus to be the Son of God, and I know you believe that He's the Son of God, you wouldn't be here. Maybe you haven't repented, but you need to. Could I encourage you to do that today? Repentance is a change of mind followed by a change of actions. And then to confess with your mouth what you believe in your heart, Jesus is the Son of God. Then to be immersed in a watery grave of baptism. If you'll do that, the Bible tells us in Acts chapter 2, verse 38, you'll enjoy the remission of sins, that is the forgiveness of sins, the washing away of sins. Acts twenty two sixteen. God will put you in the church. You'll be a part of that body He's promised to save, Ephesians 5, 23. You can get on track right now. You can begin the resolution today to live for the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, if you're here and you faltered, you need to understand there's a way home. There's a way back. We prayed for a lot of folks here. It's a privilege to go to God in prayer for others, and we'd be happy to do that with you today. I know sometimes folks are afraid to come forward. They're afraid of what others may think, what others may say. Look, we're here to help, not to hurt. Thank you for listening to the Anchor of the Soul. Your speaker has been Mike Hickson, preacher for the Olive Branch Church of Christ, located at 9100 East Sandage Road in Olive Branch, Mississippi. To hear this lesson again, go to olivebranchchurchofchrist.org. Tune in next Sunday for more of the Anchor of the Soul. Fast and sure while the billows roll. Fastened to the rock which cannot move, grounded firm and deep in the Savior's love.